Hello, everybody. This is John Hagedorn, and welcome to 1001 Stories for the Road, also known as Caffeine for the Curious, and your home for good old-fashioned entertainment. In today's fast, frenzied world of 10-second sound bites, job pressures, and all the challenges and clutter that 21st century life delivers us, you probably often find yourself wishing you could get off the fast track and just kick back and maybe go somewhere where the pace of life is much slower. It was that feeling that the producers of the Andy Griffith Show tapped into when they launched the first of 249 episodes to come on October 3, 1960. And we still get that feeling when we watch the reruns six decades later. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, the Andy Griffith Show is an American situation comedy which aired on CBS television in the U.S. from October 3, 1960 to April 1, 1968 and spanned over eight seasons, first in black and white and then in color. You can catch it today on a number of channels, including subscription-based Netflix and regular TV and cable channels. And it's easy to find and, better yet, easy to watch. It stars Andy Griffith in the role of Andy Taylor, the widowed sheriff of the fictional small community of Mayberry, North Carolina. Other major characters include Andy's inept but well-meaning deputy, Barney Fife, played by Don Knotts. Andy's spinster aunt and housekeeper, Aunt B. Taylor, played by Francis Bavier, who always had a fresh-baked pie ready and Andy's young son, Opie, played by Ron Howard. Andy was a single dad doing the best he could to raise his son and teach him the lessons of life. You all know who Ronnie Howard is, even if you've never seen the show, because he's been well-known in TV and movies all his life, first as an actor and now as a producer. Regarding the tone of the show, Griffith said that despite a contemporary setting, the show evoked nostalgia, stating in a Today Show interview, well, though we never said it, and though it was shot in the 60s, it had a feeling of the 30s. It was, when we were doing it, of a time gone by. The series never placed lower than 7th in the Nielsen ratings and ended its final season at number 1. On separate occasions, it's been ranked by TV Guide as the ninth best and 13th best show in American television history. Though neither Griffith nor the show won awards during its eight-season run, co-stars Don Knotts and Francis Bavier accumulated a combined total of six Emmy Awards. The Andy Griffith Show was the brainchild of TV producer Sheldon Leonard, who is best known for The Danny Thomas Show, The Dick Van Dyke Show, and I Spy. He had an idea to use an episode of his Danny Thomas Show to introduce Andy Griffith, a talent he had spotted in a comedy role, and cast him as a justice of the peace and newspaper editor in a small southern town. Griffith did very well with the part and the episode, bringing an authentic Southern feel to the part, and one that real Southerners could be proud of, containing none of the hick stereotypes that similar shows and movies of the 50s and 60s tended to portray. Andy was raised in the small town of Mount Airy, North Carolina, and spent most of his career denying that the show locale was based on Mount Airy. But no one was or is still listening to that one. They still show up in droves for the annual Mayberry Festival. Sheldon Leonard hired the writers, changed Andy's role to sheriff, and was going to make him the jokester, but that quickly changed just before the show was about to start filming, when Griffith's longtime friend Don Knotts called him up to say he'd seen Andy on Danny Thomas and heard through the grapevine that Andy was getting his own show. Based on the accounts I've read, the conversation went something like this. He asked Andy to elaborate on his part 
and when Andy told him he was playing a sheriff in a small town, Don Knotts asked, Who's your deputy? Andy's answer was, I don't have one, Don. You gotta be kidding, Andy. Nope, it's just me. Well, who's playing your wife? They didn't give me one. I'm a widower raising a seven-year-old son. For crying out loud, Andy, can you get me a screen test? You need a deputy. You're going to be too busy looking for a wife and raising your boy. Griffiths called Sheldon Leonard and pitched the idea of having a deputy to him, and Leonard brought him out that week. They loved Don Knotts. Very few of the cast members had arrived with contracts in hand, but when Sheldon saw the chemistry between Andy and Don, he knew he had a winner. He offered him a one-year contract the first day. The same thing happened when Hal Smith showed up for Episode 2 to play the town drunk, Otis, who ended up in the Mayberry drunk tank for most of their seasons. Then when Annette Corso showed up in Season 3 to play Opie's schoolteacher, she and Andy took a genuine liking to each other, and she became Andy's girlfriend for a few seasons. Andy ran the set like a Fourth of July picnic, according to some always smiling, always ready with his guitar and a song, and he was well known for pulling practical jokes on cast members. The one cast member that never seemed to join in on the fun was Frances Bavier, the veteran New York actress who played Aunt Bee. On screen, she played her part perfectly, offering all the pampering you might expect to Andy and Opie. But when the camera was off, she was constantly complaining about one thing or another and making it clear that the cast members many times should be taking their roles more seriously. And if she wasn't after them, it was the scriptwriters. She felt that her role was far too small, and they were missing an opportunity to use her talents and expand her character, which they never did. It became a grudge match that she held on to long after the show, and once, a few years after the show had ended. Andy and Ron Howard drove out to her home in Siler City, but she refused to see them. Andy talked about it during a Larry King radio show interview and said that Francis had called him three months before her death in 1989, and during that conversation, she at least recognized that she was sorry that they hadn't gotten along during those years of filming. She probably never realized or appreciated that the Emmy Award she won for her role as Aunt B was a huge honor, especially in light of the fact that Andy and all the others contributed greatly, but won no Emmys, nor did the show itself, with the exception of Don Knotts, who collected Emmys for Best Supporting Actor in a Television Series Almost every year he was with the show. Don Knotts, a Morgantown, West Virginia native, had been a radio and stage actor in New York and had met Andy when they were doing No Time for Sergeants on Broadway. He had a steady gig on the soap opera Search for Tomorrow, but left that behind for a place on the Steve Allen Show, becoming a major part of Steve Allen's wild comedy sketches, often playing highly nervous characters in Steve Allen's Man on the Street interview skits. With his skinny frame, bulging eyes, and high, nervous voice, he was perfect for those types of roles, and that would translate to his role as Barney Fife, Mayberry's high-maintenance number two lawman. Joining Knotts on the Steve Allen Show were Louis Nye, Tom Poston, who you might remember as the maintenance man at Bob's Vermont Inn in the Newhart Show, Pat Harrington, who immortalized the role of Schneider on One Day at a Time, and Bill Dana. Ronnie Howard had been busy doing one-shot roles for the past three years, appearing on Johnny Ringo, The Twilight Zone, Dennis the Menace, Pete and Gladys, and more. Real fans might remember Eleanor Donahue playing the Mayberry Pharmacist in Season 1. She was Betty Anderson in the 1950s sitcom Father Knows Best, but the chemistry between her and Andy didn't work out, 
and Andy had to wait until season three to find a steady girlfriend. Then there was the barber, Floyd Lawson, who probably more than anybody else looked like the guy who ought to be running the small-town barbershop. Kind of quirky and usually talkative, at least in the first two seasons. By season three, he had quieted down quite a lot, and most viewers thought that maybe the writers just weren't using him that much anymore. But in truth, the actor Howard McNear had suffered a stroke. So if you're watching an episode and Howard's not saying much, that's why. Andy, Don, and the rest of the cast had all been thinking that the show would run five years. So when season five started, Don, with Emmys in hand, started fishing for other opportunities and found a good one, signing for a five-picture deal with Universal. But then the top boys signed Andy for season six, and soon after, seven and eight. But legend has it that Don had approached Andy midway through season five and tried to get him to give him an ownership stake. But Andy's hands were tied, and that's why Don jumped when he did. All bets were on that the show would take a beating without Don Knotts, but season six went by with ratings unaffected, and the same for the last two seasons. They ended after eight seasons as number one in the CBS ratings. The only other two shows in history have gone out as number one. You want to guess what they were? It was Seinfeld and I Love Lucy. Knotts did return to make five guest appearances as Barney in seasons six through eight. His last appearance in the final season in a story about a summit meeting with Russian dignitaries ranked 11th among single comedy programs most watched in television between 1960 and 1984 with an audience of 33.5 million. All the shows were filmed at Desilu Studios with exteriors filmed at 40 Acres in Culver City, California. Woodsy locales were filmed north of Beverly Hills at Franklin Canyon. The show's theme music, The Fishing Hole, was composed by Earl Hagen and Herbert Spencer with lyrics written by Everett Sloan, who also guest starred as Jubal Foster in the episode The Keeper of the Flame. I think it went something like this. Whistling in the open sequence as well as the closing credit sequence was performed by Earl Hagen. One of the show's tunes, the Mayberry March, was reworked a number of times in different tempo, styles, and orchestrations as background music. The show's sole sponsor was General Foods, with promotional consideration paid for in the form of cars by Ford Motor Company. In 1964, daytime reruns began airing. The show was retitled Andy of Mayberry to distinguish the repeat episodes from the new episodes airing in primetime. As of this year, the show has been seen in syndication now for 53 years. In the last episodes of The Andy Griffith Show, the character Sam Jones, played by Ken Berry, was introduced, and a sequel series, Mayberry RFD, was fashioned around him for the fall of 1968, in essence replacing The Andy Griffith Show. Several performers reprised their original roles in the sequel, with Bavier becoming Sam's housekeeper. To create a smooth transition from the original series to RFD, Andy and Helen were married in the first episode, remained for a few additional episodes, and then left the show, with a move to Raleigh, effectively ending their appearances. In 1986, the reunion telemovie Return to Mayberry was broadcast with several cast members reprising their original roles. Absent, however, was Frances Bavier. She was living in Siler City, North Carolina, in ill health, and declined to participate. In the TV movie, Aunt Bea is portrayed as deceased, and in fact she did die three years later, with Andy visiting her grave. 
Okay, serious Andy Griffith show fans, we're going to give you some IMDb trivia, so you can't say you already knew all this. Ron Howard, Opie's real-life brother, Clint Howard, appeared in many episodes as the peanut butter and jelly-eating cowboy, Leon. So if you spot him in one of the episodes, you'll know who it is. The show was shot on the same set as Atlanta from Gone with the Wind, 1939. If you were to walk out of the courthouse and look to the right at the end of the street, you can see the old Atlanta train station in many episodes. When Don Knotts left the show, Jerry Van Dyke was considered for the part of a deputy who would have replaced Barney, and even appears in deputy uniform in a fifth season episode. However, Van Dyke chose instead to star in NBC's My Mother the Car, and later said if he had it to do all over again, he would have taken the deputy part instead. Don Knotts' actual name was Jesse Donald Knotts. Andy Griffith, in interviews, often referred to him as Jesse. It's a long-held belief that the fictional town of Mayberry is based on Andy Griffith's real birthplace and hometown of Mount Airy, North Carolina. However, Andy disputed this idea. Yet in the opening scene of the Andy Griffith show, A Black Day for Mayberry, 1963, Barney picks up the phone book from the sheriff's desk and begins to nervously flip through it. In several screenshots of Barney holding the phone book, you can plainly read Mount Airy on the front cover. It appears to be a genuine Mount Airy telephone directory posing as directory of the town of Mayberry. Was Barney Fife armed? There's a trivia question for you. He kept one bullet in his shirt pocket and his citation booklet in his cap. Here's a question for you. What was the name of Barney's girlfriend? That's Barney's girlfriend. The answer? Thelma Lou. Here's a tough question. They were always making phone calls on the show, and they always had to go through the local operator. Does anyone remember her name? Answer? Sarah. What kind of police car did Andy drive? A Ford Galaxy 500. And a few more quick trivia pieces. Watch for the calendar in Floyd's Barbershop. It's always on February. And lastly, they were voted number nine on TV Guide's 50 Greatest TV Shows of All Time. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Stories for the Road. 1001 Stories for the Road was inspired by our big brother, 1001 Heroes, the research for which has turned up a treasure chest of great stories. Too short for our typical 45-minute shows at 1001 Heroes, and these stories, averaging about 15 to 20 minutes each, needed a new home. So we created 1001 Stories for the Road. We're available 24-7 at iTunes and everywhere great podcasts are found. We have two other 1001 shows out there, and we encourage you to give them a try. Those are 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries, and 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. You can catch all our 1001 network shows and archives, including this one, at www.1001storiespodcast.com. And we encourage your posts at facebook.com forward slash 1001 Stories for the Road. We'll be back real soon. Thank you.